Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Difference Maker podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Calderoni. And today we have another very interesting guest, somebody that I've known now for a couple of years and someone that I, I really I really do respect in the hockey world, uh, Mr. Marcin Snita, skills coach for multiple different NHL players. In fact, he does more than just skills. He's going to share his entire story behind it. He's somebody that really understands, um, you know, human beings and, and understands what it is to go behind human beings more than just skills in general. So without further ado, I'm going to let him share his story. But Marcin, welcome on to the show, man. And of course, thanks for taking the time to come on. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate being on the show as well. Um, little background about me. Uh, been doing this for 20 plus years. Yep. Um, got into the skills uh, situation when I was very young at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Playing in the OHL. A uh, good friend of mine, a good buddy from, uh, from elementary school, believe it or not, from grade four. Was actually working at a hockey school and he gave me a ring. He's like, listen, you know, there's this hockey school that I work at, you know. Would you mind coming to help me out pushing pucks? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll do it, right? Ten bucks <laughs> back in the, back in 1996 or whatever it was, wow. <laughs> an hour, not bad at all, right? So I started doing that, and then I stepped on the ice, and uh, the head instructor that was running the hockey school at that time was like, wow, you got some talent. Um, you know, and just my background, I did a lot of European skating when I was, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, um, stepped on the ice with some interesting characters, and I'm sure a lot of people would know uh, Dr. Smushkin, uh, of course, uh, back in the 80s and 90s. So, awesome. you know, I had some talent there. I had some talent to, to show drills, and that's where I kind of honed my kind of instructional skill trainer, as you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started de- demonstrating more and more drills. Uh, the guy that I was working and that I was working for at the time, you know, started to believe in me and be like, Hey, you can do more. You can do more. You can do more. At the same time, I'm playing the OHL, you know, sitting on the third line, waiting for my turn to get on the ice and, uh, (laughs) you know, getting my $55 every two weeks paycheck. Meanwhile, I'm making uh, more at the hockey school. So anyways, long story short, uh, you know, my time kind of passed in the OHL and, and, and I had, a um, a good relationship with the person I was working for. And he was like, listen, I think you, you have some talent with this. And the first thing that stuck to me uh, and it was very important and and until this day, I'm a big, huge, uh, believer that you never put labels on name labels on any kids, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, helmets, whatever you want to call it, uh, Mm -hmm. hats or whatever you want to do. Right. Um, I was able to pretty much remember every single kid, whether it be 30 kids on the ice, 40 kids on the ice, 20 kids on the ice, and I would have a nickname for them. And I, that's how we would remember their traits, characteristics, personality. That's awesome. And I was able to hone that relationship into their training. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very huge aspect of you know, what we're doing, both of us at this moment in time. So, yeah. So from that point, you know, uh, he's like, Hey dude, you, you have some skill, you have a connection with kids. Uh, and that's probably, uh, going back to my own childhood where I yeah. didn't really have a great connection with my parents. Right. Uh, my parents were there, but maybe not the best loving parents. Let's put it that way. Um, but I was able to hone that, uh, skill and start, you know, doing what I do right now in the business that I started when I was 18. Wow. So, just, sorry, know. just to 
cut into that too. Did you have any ambitions to like get to the next level with hockey? Like what was that all about? I did. I, I, I mean, hockey was everything to me. I came to Canada when I was six years old. I had no clue about hockey. I knew how to skate a little bit. Uh, my aunt actually purchased a pair of, uh, skates in Poland when I was four years old for, yeah, for myself right. in Christmas. You were born in Poland. That's right. I was, yeah, I was born in Poland. I skated a little bit and then came over to Canada when I was six years old. And, and my dad was already here a year and a half in Toronto. And we actually, uh, believe it or not, flew to Maribel to Montreal to, to, wow. uh, my mom and I, and he said, listen, you're going to play hockey. His favorite player was uh, Wendell Clark because my dad actually looked like Wendell Clark. He had the same handlebars, actually. <laughs> and he's All like, right, you're going to play hockey. And from that point in time, you know, I started playing hockey when I was eight years old in Toronto, George Bell Arena, you know, house league. And, and that's all it was in my life. When I, as soon as I, you know, transferred from Poland to Canada, it, it was all hockey, 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 right? Cool. So my ambition was to play professional play in the NHL Saturday night, hockey night in Canada was, was a ritual in my house. And we watched it every single Saturdays for many, many of years. And uh, yeah, I played in the O wanted to play professional, but somehow along the ways um, got into training mm -hmm. through a friend and maybe thought to myself, Hey, you know what? This could be my future. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then even looking at that too, man, I'm, I'm curious to know just from what you said there. So this whole side of understanding, like you're mentioning the psychology behind a person and kind of bringing it into the way you train them and so on. You said that's something that you got pretty much from the way that you had, you know, you had your upbringing and parents were there and so on. Like what really, if you don't mind me asking, like kicked that off for you, was that a lot of doing stuff and figuring out a lot of stuff on your own? Like, was that a lot of, you know, kind of coaching yourself as a kid, like, where did you find that kind of innate ability came from? I know it's me asking, like, where's your secret sauce coming from, but <laughs> I'm just curious to know how that kind of came out. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I think, I think it came out on my own. I think, I think, but also my experiences and, 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 and just putting myself in vulnerable areas to help myself be better. I think yeah. just understanding mm -hmm. that, Hey, I can be better. I can be better for, maybe something that I never had in my life and I could be better for other kids mm -hmm. and just understanding that, Hey, you know, if we try something different, it's okay. If we try something out of the usual, it's okay. But also in a comfort level as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way training goes right now, there's, there's, there's a lot of let's, let's, we talked about this before and we talked about pop-up trainers, you know, <laughs> There's no connection. There's no, hey, here's the scientific data. Here's this. I, I, I studied this. And here, here's Johnny here. Do that. That doesn't happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen on, on, on any level. Never mind, let's say, on, on a professional hockey level. Mm -hmm. You need a connection. There's a connection between a trainer and a player. And I found that through my years, uh, 12 years plus 12 years plus in Toronto mm -hmm. being part of the biggest hockey school in the world and producing players at a very rapid rate yeah. from the age of six, seven, that you need a connection. You know, uh, there's, there's no way I could sustain what I'm doing or what I have done yeah. with Stamkos, Brent Burns, yeah. Petra Angelo, Matthew Maioni, uh, uh, Cody Hodson, the, the list goes on and on and on 
if I didn't have a relationship with them and their parents and I didn't, they didn't trust me and I didn't trust them. Okay. I want to, I want to dig on that for a sec. That's actually, I like that. Um, let's talk about the quality of the relationship. I think a lot of people get this wrong when it comes to relationships that I'm going to be your big brother, big sister, whatever you want to call it, best friend. I've watched you work. I've seen you work. Um, I've seen the interaction that you have with people. It's not that there's a trusting guiding way in you, but there's a lot of a, there's a bit of a different mentality behind that relationship with them. Go into that for a little bit, you know, for myself and other people. I think it's something that's crucial that people understand that it's not just shaking hands and being friends, because I think that's what we see a lot of the time with, you know, pop-up quote unquote specialists. Um, I want to know because it's, it sounds like it's something, and we've had discussions about it before that you still keep in touch with these individuals even though they've long gone on to start doing something in their own realm, which is the natural evolutionary process of human beings when they're growing. Um, tell people about that, that relationship a bit. I think that's very important. Well, yeah, first of all, I mean, uh, what I do is, is, is actually, I get them to the NHL mm -hmm. skill wise. I get them to the NHL. After that, it's up to them. They yep. figure out on their own. There's a lot of guys that train with me. There's a lot of guys that don't train with me anymore, but they're making six, seven, eight million dollars a year. And that's fine. I'm okay. But the biggest thing that you touched upon right now is there's a lot of trainers that are pleasers. They want to okay. please. They want to almost get respect by pleasing the parents or the kids, mm -hmm. um, whether through social media, whether through I'm going to stick around with you and go for a coffee or uh, I'll go to your restaurant. For example, you know, there's people in various uh, right. parents are in various uh, societies, various uh, uh, professions that you can kind of manipulate. I don't deal with that. Right. If you own a business and you can persuade me to kind of be there and, and I can help your son, I'm not inter interested in that. I will tell you how it is. I'm not here for pleasing your kid. I will teach him. I will train him. I will give him a relationship. I will try to give him the tools, not only to be a better hockey player, but also a better human being. And I think a lot of people miss that point. A lot of people are here training because the money's huge in hockey. Let's yeah. be all frank and be all honest about it, especially mm -hmm. in Canada. And it's a little bit of, of a, of a, look, look what I did. Look, mm -hmm. look at me now, you know? Yes. We're all about selling ourselves in a certain way because we're in the business of selling ourselves and we're, we're, we're having that, uh, let's say, uh, what do you want to call it? Dry cleaning business where if you're not good, you're not good. Right. But if you please yourself, you're only limiting yourself further down the line. And I think that's the problem where it is right now. Too many guys, you know, they played hockey or they had some experience and now they're trying to pleasing everyone and telling them, Oh, look at this, look at that, where you just have no yeah. concept. There's no base to it. There's no spine. When you don't have a spine, I mean, it hurts. It hurts overall everyone. And at, you know at, what? At, at, it's, yeah. it's funny you say that because that's something that we talk about a lot, right? This whole mentality of selfish to be selfless. And it's not, it's not to say like, look at me, put the gold star on your back. But my brother and I, Chris, we talk about it a lot too. We say, right, like you should be playing for the last name on your, on your jersey to make the crest proud. There's a big Correct. difference. Like you should be doing it for yourself so you can benefit 
the crest on the front of your Jersey. And I think a lot of people don't understand that when we, when we talk about it a bit too, cause it's like, Whoa, you're telling somebody to be selfish, but let's dive into something scientific for a second. We know that, you know, people who are more agreeable or people who basically bend and let others tend to sometimes only do what they need, right? The very selfless people, the very extreme, we think, well, that's what you do on a team. But we know from the, the studies that have shown it, that those people usually have a lot less achievement in their life. They often end up fulfilling other people's goals and their dreams and their desires. And what ends up happening long-term? Well, you know, there's a point in time that everybody hits that it's like, what the, like, what am I doing? You know, like I've been working for this person for so long, like, what about me? So whenever we talk about this, you know, when we look at it, we know that people who are less agreeable achieve more, but it's harder to get along sometimes with them. If you can find that beautiful balance of, Hey, I'm going to do my job really, really well. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure I'm bettering myself so that I can be better for the team. It's a completely different mentality, right? Like a parent who can't take care of a kid, like a parent who can't, sorry, take care of themselves first, can't take care of a kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Why is it? Any well, the best players in the world, the best players in the world are winners. Absolutely. Let's, let's get to the chase. They're winners. You're winners because they win for themselves, but they also win for the team. Crosby is not the greatest player in the world or McDavid or wherever you want to argue with, but if they're not putting themselves first, and that's the most important, right? You want to benefit yourself. You want to put yourself first mm-hmm. in order for your team to win. Right. And that's why they win, right? So it's very important to be, you know, confident, selfish in a certain way, but it's, it's, it's a very thin line to walk around because right. there is players and there is athletes that out there that walk around and they think they're God, but they're not really, you know, in that sense. Right. Yeah. So there's a very fine line, but you're absolutely right where it comes to, you know, confidence is a huge thing. And that's why mm-hmm. I find if you don't getting back to our, our discussion with relationship, if you don't have that relationship, like I, I treat my six-year-old kid on the ice the same way I treat my, a, a, an NHL hockey player. Yeah, I give them that confidence. I give them that push. And I talk to them like a real human being. Figure it out. Yeah, Some of the drills are so complicated. And I don't want you to actually do the drill. I want you to screw up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I want you to almost fuck up. Let's put it that yeah. way. Honestly. Right? Well, it's funny. And, and it's then funny figure it out. That, right? Like the one thing, you know, we relate a lot on too, because we've had discussions about this before is like the whole mentality behind, you know, being raised with a European mindset or more so like the Asian part of the world and so on, like that side of the the planet versus the North American side here, man, like we coddle a lot in the North American side. We really, we really do. Right. Like I know my cousins, I'm Italian. I know talking to you being Polish too. Like I've seen my cousins where, you know, I'll never forget. I went to play in Italy. I saw the six-year-old cousin at the time who was just starting to grow up where he would have been coddled by the parents here in North America. And he let me get your dinner. Let me do this for you. It was very simple. It was Francesco, get your dinner, sit down, go eat it. It wasn't that there's a kid's table. Kids sat with the adults and vice versa, right? Here all the time, there's this isolation mindset and this whole idea behind like, well, you know what? Because it's a kid, we should totally change the way of doing it. And what ends up happening? Later on down the line, Kids don't feel that brunt sometimes. And what do we always say? Well, the kid that doesn't hit adversity, man, that's a kid that has the most problem later on. I don't think it's adversity, to be honest with you. Like, I don't think people have to go through shit in order to always, you know, be a better person. I think they just have to have some pretty damn strong parenting sometimes, not in a bad way. I'm not suggesting, you know, anything like an abuse or something like that. But what I mean is talk to your kid like a human being. Absolutely. (laughs) And and you're talking, you're right. Let's get down to it. You're talking about common sense. 
Absolutely. That's the bottom line. It's common sense. You know, take your dinner, eat, you know, just understanding the rules and regulations and, or, yeah. or not even regular. It's not rules. It's, it's just, it's just nature Standards. of human life. Yeah. And like, you know, I see it here now in Montreal right now, you know, a week ago, 2011 and 2010 brick team uh, was uh, announced. Right. 2011, 2012, they're eight, nine years old. They didn't make the brick team. It's, it's over for these, for the parents, Never mind for the kid. I it's know. over for the parents. And now what is Johnny going to do? What is Tony going to do? You know, what is Francesco going to do? No, you just keep going. It's, a, right. it's, it's, it's the, it's the plainest, plainest form of, Hey, let's keep going. Forget about it. It's okay. It's, it, you're, it's not going to change the world. It's not going to change your outcome as a human being, Never mind as a hockey player that if you don't make that team and you're eight years old, right. but we put so many boundaries and so many limitations that already as eight year olds, if you don't make the brick team or you don't make the team that's going to go to the, these tournaments, mm-hmm. you're done, which is scary, which yep. is scary for me as a trainer, as, as a human being to help these kids, you know, nourish their dreams and their aspirations. It's scary that we already put limitations. Well, and we announced this. That does for a sec though, not to interject, but like, I got to look at, I got to, I got to say this in this point. It's like, we often deal with the, one of the toughest things that we have to deal with, with human beings in general, not just athletes, but people we work with is like, Hey, you got to get in this mindset of doing things excellent versus uh, perfect. Right. What does it do though? Like, let's be real for a sec. You know, this whole theory on development, we should take scores out of younger games and so on. I know that's been something done here in Ontario with the soccer side. And I don't know where they're at with that now. I know it was experimented with before, but like, let's look at that for a second. If we're talking about developing a human being, is part of development not learning how to win and lose? Yes. Right. You can't like think about it for a second. We're trying to develop the best people possible without teaching them how to win and lose. What happens when you don't make the brick team? You learn how to lose. You learn how to pick yourself up, keep moving forwards and better yourself. You get the real smack in the face. Now let's also talk about the kids that actually win without actually learning how to win, right? There's a big teaching moment in teaching kids how to actually, you know, take the gold medal versus just giving it to them. There's a big difference between teaching a kid how to take the gold medal versus just here's, here it is, you won, right? So like, I think when we remove those constraints too, a big thing we got to look at with all of this is understanding that there's a way to win, there's a way to lose. I think it's a crucial part of development to teach a kid how to lose and how to win. And the fact that we remove that stuff as young kids and just, Oh, well just play. Like we're not going to keep score. It's just about development. Sure. You're developing skills. And I want to get into this in a second too, with you, but you're developing skills that are just like literally just that skills, skills without applied practicality, anything that you want to call it. Right. So it's, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you there because it's a double-edged sword. And that's Mm -hmm. my opinion because we have to be careful because as trainers, as, as instructors, as whatever you want to call yourself, mental coaches, mm-hmm. whatever, the kids that don't make it, we have to nourish them and tell yes. them it's okay. And the problem here with pop-up trainers or pop-up mental coaches, mm-hmm. hey, you didn't make the uh, brick team? I don't want to work with you. Yep. You're not an NHL player? I don't want to work with you. You're not a AAA uh, hockey player? I don't want to step you on the You don't have potential? You. How you can you write off potential exactly. with a kid that's eight years old? How do you write off exactly. potential? And that's where, the, where we have to be very careful. That's where mm-hmm. true coaches, teachers, I don't, I don't call myself an instructor. I don't right. call myself a – I'm a teacher. 
I teach the game. I teach skills, but I teach fundamentals of a human being as well. Mm-hmm. I nourish those people. I love those people. I love a six-year-old six kid that can't skate, but I also love a 19-year-old kid or 21-year-old kid that needs to work on his edges to make that leap from $1 million a year contract to $6 yeah. million. We have to nurture that stuff. And there's too many people out there say, hey, you're not good enough. I'm not going to waste my time. And that's the wrong mentality. And that goes from parents to teachers to instructors. And that's, I think even from before though, that's where we can agree with it, right? Like that's why I'm saying we need to learn how to win and lose as kids. Like even for the development of a coach for Christ's sake, right? Like developing a coach to teach a kid how to bounce back. That's fucking hard, man. Very hard. Right. And understand. I had a team. I created a team in Montreal, 2000 year born team. Was this recently? uh, no, five, uh, maybe six, six years ago or so, okay. five, a little bit more than that. But I had, I had them for four or five years. Yep. We never won a tournament. But I told them, it's not about winning tournaments. It's about developing mindset, mm-hmm. about developing human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay? I have one kid, NCAA uh, Division One scholarship. Se- another kid, second round uh, uh, draft pick to the Islanders. Yep. Um, five, six kids playing junior hockey in the queue. I have one kid that just graduated from pilot school and I keep touch with him. He wants to be a pilot, things like that. But I, I just, I have all this. I have another kid that wants to be a lawyer and another kid that wants to be a dentist, Mm -hmm. but I talk to them. They have a relationship. These kids are 20, 21. Yeah. 19, 20 right now. But we talk, Hey, how's, how's pilot school going? How's this going? They're like, oh, great. You know what? I remember those days when I had to run laps or you made us do so-and-so and and just created me a better person. I'm like, wow. It has nothing to do with hockey. Nothing. Absolutely, man. So, And it's like like the young kids, though, too, right? That get, you know, picked up by an agency or or advisor. They're about to pop off and they're about to become the next big thing. Like, man, you've seen it as well as I have. Like a lot of these, a lot of the times, man, these inner circles that are around some players from a young age are really fucking toxic, really toxic, extremely, extremely, right. Where it's like, you're always on a pedestal. And I think this is where we talk about it a lot too. Like we have so many different programs who work with different agencies and different professions too, on teaching people how to quote, retire from the sport. doesn't matter if you're, you know, 16 years old retiring or you're 42 really doesn't matter. Everybody retires at some point. And, and that's the biggest sticking point that I have now. Like a lot of, I have a lot of clients that are asking me, well, what about this agency? What about that agency? I said, it's not about who's right, who's wrong, who's yep. good, who's bad. It's who's the right fit for you, yeah. but not for you as an athlete. Who's the right fit for you when you stop being an athlete? When it's time, hey, you had a concussion, you have to stop. Maybe you never made it. What's the next steps? Is that agency going to be there for you when you're like, shoot, I'm 24 years old. I can't play anymore. I got to go to school. I need help. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. the sticking points too with the agencies. And that's, that's, you know, you What's and your I debrief plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you go about life when you're 24? Because to be honest with you, and you know, this careers are short. You know, you have one contract. If you're lucky to get the second contract, then you can start thinking, okay, I can I start putting money away. But your first contract is gone. Yeah. So you're, you could be 23, 24. Your first contract's already done. What's next if you don't have another contract? Like, what's next for you? And you see it every day. You, you know the amounts of 
you know, kids are on the ice, kids are doing this, kids are doing that. Like for, for, for me, it's, it's, I, I was blessed to have that ability to step into a world where I can continue after hockey, mm-hmm. but there's 99% of those people that don't have that, yeah. you know, ability. And then what's next? What do you do? Like, what do you do when you're 26, 25, you know, yeah. like, what's the next step? Right. Yeah. How it's do you scary. shift your identity? How do you become somebody else? Yeah. Right. Like how do you live a different one? And I, I kind of want to pivot to that now too. So like, let's talk about that. This whole scene, you know, it was something that we were very passionate about exchanging on the phone before this whole pop-up trainer thing and so on and so forth. Um, let's define it for a second. So pop-up trainer from what we consider are these people that, you know, pretty much came out of nowhere during this whole pandemic thing. Um, and I get it. Everybody's finding their passion. Everybody's pivoting. But I think we have to understand that there's a bit of a danger behind that sometimes when someone A doesn't understand how to truly develop, like we're saying, the mindset of a human being. And I think there's a big danger behind it as well from a physiological standpoint where, you know, there's overtraining happening and so on. I mean, let's hit topic number one, man. I mean, we've seen this during COVID. We, we talked about it. There was a kid that we have who's 11 years old and the guy was up to about 17 hours worth of work a week for an 11 year old child. And, you know, the parents are extremely great people because here's where I see a very dangerous, you know, slippery slope. You bring a parent in who wants to do, and this is almost the perfect formula for somebody to take advantage of someone, but parents who want to do the absolute best for their kids are waiting to dump resources into their kids because they believe, you know, from a business standpoint, more is better, right? If I can pump more money into this company, it's going to blow up even further. Correct. And, you know, then we take that approach with the physical, mental, developmental side, if you want to call it that of an athlete, there's a very, very dangerous formula that we have here now because it doesn't all work it that takes, way. Right. It doesn't work that way. And all That's it takes is line, one yeah. shark, man, that popped up who's looking at, oh, I got to survive during COVID or whatever. And now yeah. all of a sudden it becomes a business opportunity versus a developmental pathway. It's something actually that we've spoken to our friend Joe Costa a lot about, where it's a process with the athlete. Let's touch on that for a sec. You're somebody who works with a lot of different ages of athletes, just like quite a few of our developmental friends. What do you see, man? Like, let's talk about the young players all the way up to the old players. What are you finding is the sweet spot that we need to hit? Um, What's, what's proper for a kid, you know, ranging from from a young player to an older player? Yeah. I mean, um, first of all, when you look at it, there's a huge, huge gap right now because there is no hockey. There is no, tangible game situation so there's no challenge for the kids so we have to be very careful how we push these kids to develop into something that we don't know i don't have an answer for you Mm -hmm. i'll be honest i I go on the ice sometimes with 14 year old kids 12 year old kids six year old kids and i really don't know what to do because i don't know the progress i don't have the relationship i can't i don't have the feel Mm -hmm. so yeah, right now you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful what you're doing. 17 hours a week is way too much right. hey, for anyone. Yep. Okay. Imagine a human being at the age of 30, 32, 40, going 17 hours to the gym. Yeah, physically when it's cloudy. For anybody when it's cloudy. Physically. Correct. When it's cloudy, <clears throat> lack of sleep, lack of sun, whatever. Fatigue of COVID, fatigue of everything, social distancing. Yep. That's crazy. Imagine a kid doing that, for Attack example. On school, no friends. All that stuff, exactly. It's crazy to do that. Mm-hmm. It's almost in, like, I don't understand how that's possible. 
I don't understand how a human being, like a parent, can push the kid to do that much. I have kids that come on NAS with me three hours a week. And I'm telling them right now to slow down. It's too much. Yeah. Because there's no, be- ten- there's no tangible. There's no, hey, I'm working towards that. Why am I pushing X and O so hard to do what? Yeah. And the only thing I'll say actually about that with the parents too, what I've noticed, you know, I feel like sometimes it's a little bit, and it's not a negative thing. It's a, it's a naive sense, right? Where it's like, yeah. hey, I'm just going to get the work done. I'm going to put my head down and do it. And you get lost in the hustle and bustle of the week. And you don't take, like, you really don't take a second to think about how many hours my child is training, right? I know even well, for me personally. You don't, you, don't, you don't embrace the commitment, right? Right. And it's the like, it's like even for it. me, man, like, we barely have enough time sometimes to think about what we're going to have for dinner. Right. Correct. And that's totally normal. But I mean, it's really, that's why I think it's so damn important to get with the right people. If you're going to try to develop a child, like you would never just send your child to any school. I would hope you would actually have to take a look into understanding what the education's about, you know, especially if you're going to a private school, let's say, or, you know, we've yeah. seen people pull their kids out of different public school and Catholic school sectors. So it's, it's the same thing with training. Yeah. And I, and I, and I hate like, you know me very, mm-hmm. very well. I hate to name drop. Yeah. But a perfect example for me, when I talk to uh, parents and players, is Steven Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had the privilege to train him for a very long time. Uh, but he had a very unique way of understanding what he needs to work on from a very early age. So he would come to me and be like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing a private lesson on Monday for the whole year. And we're working on stride first three steps and a shot. Mm -hmm. When you actually look at Stamkos, what he plays right now on the ice, that's pretty much sums his game. But he had a very unique at the age, very early age. And his parents were there to say, listen, these are the three qualities you need to work on and you need to work on it specifically. That's a different story. Coming back to your point, as these people now pop up trainers, pop up mental coaches, pop up online training, Mm -hmm. they gather drills from all over the place, from all over social media and sources. They put online and here you go. Does it work for you? Who knows? It doesn't work for everyone. That's the difference. Yeah. You have to know specifically that person. That's why I go back to the relationship. There's too many trainers out there. Hey, I'm going to blast the video. I'm going to take this from Hockey Canada. I'm going to put it on the ice. This kid skates nice. I'm going to put that video on, place it on Instagram, put some music on it. Boom. I'm a hockey trainer. Yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need right now. I'll take this scientific data. I'll take that data. I'll put it together and be like, you know what? I know how to make a hockey player. You don't know shit. Sorry to say that, but you don't know shit, right? (laughs) And you know what? No, it's true, man. Like, I'm totally for entrepreneurs. I love, I personally, I love entrepreneurship, big advocate of it. I think there has to be more of a debate put on sometimes when it's, when you're an entrepreneur who's trying to develop a human being and creating a product to develop a human being. I'm not talking about sleep routines, sleep routines, for example, as just an example, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, a good morning routine. What I'm talking about is truly developing the belief system of a child and truly developing the belief system of a human being. I think when we're creating products around that, to your credit, right, to this, or to your argument, I should say, with taking one thing that you see on social media, plus a blog post, plus a Hockey Canada thing, plus, you know, this and that and the other, and throwing it together and saying, hey, I've got a system, it's a product that's worked. 
there's always questions that come into play. What's your assessment? How do you know that that's working for somebody and needed Correct. for somebody? Number two, how are you measuring it? Number three, show me the long-term progression. There you go. There's a big danger when it comes into that, man, because I think where we really have to put a constraint on this, like this is a bit of a cry for help, but it's like nobody's been thinking about after COVID. Nobody's been thinking about what is the impact that this will have on this individual five years down the line. And we, we say that all the time to our clients that come to us. Guys, when you work with us, doesn't matter if you're a kid, doesn't matter if you're a pro, doesn't matter if you're a business professional, doesn't matter if it's a professional corporate organization or a team. If you're working with us, you must always take into consideration how this will impact you five years down the road. If you do not feel comfortable with working with us and the stuff that we provide, that it's going to benefit you five years later, don't work with us. Stay yeah. away from it for your own personal development and your own personal health. Correct. So I think there has to be a massive understanding because we'll get into this side of it now too. Like we talked about the psychology of understanding a human being. Let's talk about this whole argument right now going on behind cognition because you brought it to my attention and then we kind of looked at it too together. What's Marson seeing um, with this whole cognition and training and so on? I know there's a lot of cognitive trainers popping up. What are you noticing is a bit of a, a, a bit of a red flag sometimes for you too? Well, I think just uh, overdoing it. That's the bottom line, mm-hmm. right? I think over, over specifying that you need cognitive training. I mean, we, we all kind of do it. We all kind of learn it from a young age. Why does it have to be so specific now that it has to be done on a regular basis? Not every mind works the same way. Mm-hmm. Not every human being reacts the same way. Not every human being feels the same way on any given day. So why are we forcing kids to, you know, do so much reaction drills when they're just forced to react after a while? Mm-hmm. The free thinking is, is, is out the window. And that's where the game of hockey comes into play, where it's you can't just go left, right, left, right, left, right, because then you just you, you create um, coordination, which is the worst thing in hockey when you actually look at it. The last thing you want to do is coordinate. The last thing you want to do is, is be able to, you know, to do everything the same way. Like there's, I don't know. I don't see it. There's Sorry, do you mean to it. not to coordinate. Do you mean like creating like a specific repetitive pattern? Is what Correct. You mean? Habits. Okay. Yeah. Habits. Okay. So you're creating habits in a certain way where hockey is a sport that never happens. A two on one is a two on one but it's never the same. If you understand what I mean, you know, it could be a left-handed shooter defenseman. It could be a right-handed shooter defenseman. It could be, you know, two lefties going on on a two-on-one. So there's always different. So I understand you want to create the quickness, the, the, but there's other ways to do it and you can do it a little bit, but you can't overdo it. I think there's way too much of that scientific being like, Oh, you have to do this to become a great player. Yeah. I was going to say that I was going to say, so, the only place that I'll interject a bit and say is like, I think cognitive training is needed. For example, coming from the neuroscience background, right. And understanding, sure. well, not, well, I would say the psychology background and appreciating neuroscience. Yeah. I think there has to be a major constraint though, on understanding how much is too much and yeah. understanding how much is the right amount. Like, and I can't answer that because I'm not in absolutely. that specific way. And I, and I respect that, but you're right. That's what I'm trying to get at is that, where's the, the tipping point or the, you know, the scale on when you do it 10 hours to 
20 hours to five hours. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I, I think there's not enough significant data out there to actually say, Hey, you know, five hours, that's all you need. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's a sticking point. So yeah. you're right. You're right. In, in, I in also saying- think too, man, it's dangerous to isolate these things and create assumptions, not isolate sure. them and train them, but to isolate and create assumptions. What I mean by that, being able to try and predict a person's potential based on their, for example, skills on the ice alone, very dangerous. Being able to predict somebody's potential based on their cognition alone, very dangerous. Being able to predict somebody based on their mental alone, very dangerous. Why? Because we know from arguments and studies done on nature versus nurture that there's not only a a need or not even a need, I should say, there's not only a stronger presence of the whole nurture aspect where we understand that you can train somebody to be something different. But what those studies also show is that there has to be an understanding of how everything affects each other. So where I have the problem a little bit sometimes with seeing this stuff is there's, you know, the old school scouts that try to say, well, based on his hockey sense, he's going here. And then the very scientific heavy people that say, well, based on his, you know, data and this, 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 he's going here. And then the psych people saying based on his mindset, he's going here. I think there has to be a better effort and job done at and, and a, you know, a perspective being shifted to understanding that the cognitive needs the on ice, the on ice needs the mental, the mental needs a cognitive and so on and so forth. I think everybody has to start to understand that if they're in a space of human development, that there's a major intersecting point that we all have to hit together if we're going to do this the right way with a child or anybody in general. Yeah. And then, and then that shows also, you know, you, it's clear uh, nowadays, when you look at a couple of years ago, analytics came into play in the NHL. And right. everyone was all about analytics, all about analytics, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's everyone's kind of turning away and say, wait a minute, it's not all about analytics too. There's a little bit more to a person's game yep. than just analytics, right? So yeah, you're right. It's, it's a huge triangle. Let's put it that way. And we have to do a better job of understanding that triangle and understanding yeah instead of pointing fingers and saying, Oh, his hockey sets is off the chart. He's going to make it right as, and, and, and again, I'm talking from a development perspective when he's six, seven or eight, right? Because sometimes you, you can say, wow, you know, if people don't know, or people are just starting in the, in, in the business, you have an eight year old kid that skates around everyone scores six goals a game. And they're like, wow, his hockey sets off the chart. No, it's not. Yeah. His, or his skills are off the charts. No, it's not. He's a little bit more progressed than everyone else. Right. Let's wait till he hits 14, 15, when everyone kind of starts maturing in the same way or form and has the same chance of maybe playing hockey for that type of moment. And then we can say, wow, this guy could have the potential, right? We're all too quick on jump and be like, oh, you got potential. Oh, and, and again, yeah. that's where let's get to the nitty gritty. That's where the business, the aspect of hockey trainers, of mental coaches, of, of all kinds of sports, you know, they pop up, be like, Oh, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Oh, you're fantastic. Right. Eight-year-old kid. Come with me. Utopia. I'll give you wonders. I'll, I'll put you here. I'll put you there. I know this guy. I know that guy. You know what? You don't know shit because you don't know what happens behind the scenes you don't understand his relationship again that's a big sticking point like i keep saying relationship know the parents know the understanding again coming back and i don't like doing this i knew steven stemko's parents like they were my friends because they would talk to me say yeah marcin you know 
this happened today at school. That happened at the playing field. He didn't have enough sleep. So he's going to have a, you know, different mindset today on the ice. So we have to change it. No problem. You have to adapt, but you have to adapt and you have to give him confidence. It's not like, Oh, you know, he's not having his best practice. So I'm going to shit on him harder. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him the other tools to kind of get through the practice, make him laugh a little bit. And that's, again, that's what I have. That's what I do. You know, sometimes I go through a, a training period and, and I just make jokes because I want the kids to laugh because they're not having a good day, whether their parents are hard on them, whether the schools are, but I want them to come out of there some type of joy. So we're missing that aspect. We're putting all these regulations, restrictions. Oh, you got to do cognitive. Oh, you got to do analytics. Oh, you got to do this. You got to stop on this point in time on the ice. You got to turn pivot. No, that's not hockey. That's not sports. Every team sports, you have to develop. Yeah. You have to understand there's moving parts to it. And it's the way the brain functions. If the brain is confident, if you're confident, you will be able to adapt. Whereas yeah. human beings, it's, it's, you know, you have a bad day in the morning, you spill coffee in yourself, you take that anger towards work, your workday is done. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as building kids. If you shit on them or you make them into robots and they're doing the same thing, what do you think this is going to happen when they're 20 years old and they're right. playing sports? They're going to do the same thing. Right. You have to nurture. You have to let – it's a flower. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. It's a flower. You That's water true. it. You help it. You let it grow. If it grows, it grows. If it grows huge, that's great. But yeah. you're still there. You're the water that's feeding that flower. And right? I think we also have to remember, too, that at the end of the day, the athlete is always going to be the one who dictates what they need um, and who should always be the one who's dictating who they feel they need around them, right? Because I often see, kind of to your point before, where so-and-so will come in and I'm going to bring you this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this person, this person, this, 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 this. And it's like, hold on. Is this needed right now? I don't, right? Like is, does so-and-so need a physio on retainer for the year? No, absolutely not. Do you need a referral that when the person gets injured, maybe there's a regular treatment that happens once a month, totally different story. That's called caring for your body. It's caring for work and so on. I think we really have to do a a better job at understanding too with athletes, kind of to your point with confidence, that confidence is not just happening from skating on the ice. Confidence doesn't just happen from eating the right food. doesn't happen from the mental coach and this and that and the other. Confidence comes from this this buildup of repetition, obviously with the skills to believe it, but then also to understand that you've given yourself the right kind of nourishment and energy and focus and drive and hunger to keep pushing that forwards. And I feel like we have to start seeing this almost more so like, you know, layering a person going outside for the winter, right? You need your undergarments, then you need, you know, a shirt, then you need pants, then you need, you know, snow pants on top of it, if it's really cold, and then you need a sweater, then you need a jacket, then you need a hat, then you need gloves. But it's understanding that the athlete has to be the one who understands what they need. I feel like people who think that there's only a perfect formula, really get this wrong, because you've seen it as well as I have, Marcin, like, let's take the winter approach, for example, right? We know that we need going out in winter, pants, a jacket, probably shirt underneath that jacket. And we're good. There's some people that don't need gloves and a hat outside when it's freezing cold in the winter. There's some people that don't need snow pants on top of their pants in the winter, right? To say that, well, I know this is the formula. It's not. I think we have to do a better job at understanding the fundamental four, if there is any of those or whatever you want to call it, the basic major pillars, which I believe in my own mind is something to do with mental, social, emotional, physical, something to do with, you know, a practical physical on ice, 
something to do with nutrition and something to do with strength and conditioning. I think those are the basics that every athlete needs. And if there's other things added in, I think it's great. I think there has to be good prescription for it and better understanding of how much to intervene with all this stuff, because then we're just kind of overloading the crap out of somebody. Absolutely. But, but those are the pillars. And then you have to individualize those pillars to what the player or the person needs. Right. So I agree with you. Those are the, the, the major factors that you need. How you do it and what that looks like, it's all up to the individual and all up to the parents. Because at the end of, end of the day, I think the sticky point is the parents. Mm-hmm. Is it really for the kid or is it really for you? Are you doing this to satisfy everyone else in society for your kid? Or are you actually doing the right steps for your kid to be happy? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Having all these trainers around, are you doing this for your kid or are you actually doing it because someone told you or someone said, hey, you need an osteopath 24-7 for your eight-year-old kid? Right. No, you don't. The pillars are there. You're absolutely right. But the parents have to be a little bit more aware of what's actually going on with their own kid, not listen to all these people that justify that think that they're gurus Mm -hmm. and say, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need that. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. I mean, the truth, you have to be honest. Like there's so much lack of honesty with trainers too. just telling the way, Hey, no, you'd like, I feel like trainers and teachers are scared to say, no, you don't need this right now. Like they're scared to tell that to somebody because they might lose a client, but it's the truth. If that's the truth, you don't need that right now. And I have that with me. I have people that come with me three times a week since COVID started because they can only train. There's no, and I tell them, no, I don't want you to come this Friday on the edge with me. I want you to take a day off, but why? What do you mean? Why? Yeah. We were on the ice on Wednesday. Your kid underperformed in my estimation. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's missing a lot of sleep, relaxation, recovery, outlets, recovery. Please don't come on Friday. What do you mean? Are you upset? I'm not upset. I'm just telling you how it is. There's so many pillars towards it. Like you said, perfectly. Those are the most important, but you have to, we have to be honest with the, with the people themselves. We have to be honest with our clients. It's not about money. For me, it's not about money. It's never been about money from day one. Yes, 19, 20 years old, I was making a fair amount of money at that time, and I was happy. But you learn, you nurture, and you figure out that it's not about that. I'm not going to force a kid to be on the ice with me five times a week because I think he's going to make the NHL. I know a kid that's going to be on the ice with me once a week, and I know if he continues, he's going to make the NHL. Huge difference. And I just tell him. I teach them. I tell him. Do this, try this, why not that? Keep an open mindset. But the fundamentals, like you said, nutrition, balance of mindfulness at home, mm-hmm. balance of work and play, whether school, hockey, training, tennis, basketball, golf, very important. Mm-hmm. Very important. You know, again, not to name drop, but Max Domi, greatest person that I know in the world as a hockey player. He's just a great guy. You give him a golf club, a left golf club and a right golf club, 
he shoots the same. Why? Because he trained his body to be so dynamic in both uh, situations. And you see it on the ice. I tell people, for example, and we spoke about this before, you know, for one day, one day a week, don't go on the ice. But I say yeah. your kid is right-handed, do everything left-handed for one day. It's the best training in the world. And, and you didn't why spend do you a find dime that in is? it. Because it just, again, go back to cognitive. Mm-hmm. Do we have to run around, press lights all the time? Or can we just do certain things with our left if we're right-handed or certain things with our right if we're left-handed? Or kick, like, can we just do it that way? Why do I have to run around and spend so much money on tools and things like, yeah, once in a while it's okay, but pressing lights left and right, if I can just, what if I, you know, cross my left leg on my right leg where it feels uncomfortable when I'm a kid and sit there for 20 minutes and do a stretch? That's cognitive understanding as well. I think what, if too, I, what you're getting at as well is like, I think what we have to see it as as well more than anything. And it's not just to hit on one thing or the other, but it's really to understand like challenge and break routines. Sometimes it's okay. Absolutely. It's okay. Not to, it's okay. Like, I think we have this big picture of understanding that an athlete has to be this robotic form of every day, same schedule, man, fuck like anybody in work. Like, I mean, if you're keeping the same routine day after day after day, eventually it's going to get boring. It will. And it's not a matter of discipline, but I challenge any quote guru or whoever you want to call it to see things as, okay, well, you know, (laughs) if, if you're trying to make somebody a robot versus an autonomous thinker, there's a bit of an issue, right? If you're trying to get, but imagine, yeah. Imagine Matt yourself and myself, we're adults, Mm -hmm. we're smart people. We can think for ourselves. If we do that every single day or we do something every single day, we get bored. Imagine a 10-year-old kid. Imagine a 15-year-old kid where maybe don't, they don't have the senses to understand what's boring, what's not, and they just keep doing it again. They could just become robots, right? Right. I mean, 100%. you got you to gotta stop somewhere. And yep. the more we push, especially now, the more we push, the worse it is. I, that's what I think. You know, all these parents, people, players – um, especially on an amateur level, on a, on a lower level. Mm-hmm. Do you see any of the NHL guys pa- panicking that they don't have ice? Not really. Right. They're taking the pause. Who's yeah. panicking? It's the younger generation, the people that are not secure with their own abilities and parents that are pushing their kids to be on the ice five, six times a week, doing all this 17, 18, 20 hours of training because, oh my God, if he misses a week, it's the end of... No. Right. Why is the, the NHL, why is, why is the six, seven, $8 million guy, hey, he's chilling out with his family, having a good time, doing a workout, trying different things, bettering himself as a human being. Meanwhile, parents are pushing their kids to be on the ice, you know, five, six times a week. For what? Yeah. And I think, I think even there too, it's like, it's just, again, I think there's a lack of understanding with, with genuinely realizing what it takes to raise a high performing athlete, like something we do a lot with, you know, clubs we work with and so on. If they're a youth club or developmental club is teach a parent how to raise a high performing kid. Cause I'm going to tell you this in a twofold way and you've seen it as well. You know, I've seen kids now who are 18 years old, 19 years old, come out of a super regimented lifestyle as a young kid. And now all of a sudden, they feel like they need to be rebellious and rambunctious in certain ways because they never had that when they were younger. They never had 100%. the ability to make mistakes. They never had an ability. 
you know, as terrible as it is, but to, to try that sip of alcohol, not promoting that, but saying they never had that ability to do things sometimes that probably they and, shouldn't have done. And I can speak for myself. I've right. done it. I was in those shoes. Yep. I came from an Eastern European family. Mm-hmm. Strict as you wouldn't believe. You do this every day. You do this, you do this, you do this. What happens as soon as I get a little bit taste of life? You go nuts. Everything. Go yep. nuts. Absolutely. And, and that's, and, and you're right. And we're on the same page. Cause I tell that to people, I said, stop, don't let that happen. Cause your kid one day will say enough's enough. And God forbid, you know, like you and I, whatever we can deal with it. We went on, I did therapy myself because mm-hmm. I needed to, but there's some kids that won't do therapy and they'll go down the, the hole and, and it gets worse. Right. And I know a lot of players a lot of NHL players that don't have a relationship with their father or mother, yeah. but mostly with their father. There's a lot of NHL guys that people don't know that do not speak to their parents at all because of just the hardship that went through the mm-hmm. regimen, the, the, the structure, the come on, you got to be this, you got to be this, you got to be this every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to hear. That's tough to hear. And I think, you know what, going on that point, the last thing I kind of wanted to wrap up with too is I think what we miss sometimes is when we are trying to develop, we only look at the first two stages. So in my opinion, with development, you get somebody into you know the lower levels and you teach them how to master their confidence and skills there. Then you teach them how to master their confidence and skills at the higher level, right? That's great, but you're missing the major part. I don't think we often put on a pedestal enough the debrief side of it, right? It is very regimented, like you can't have one without the other. Like, I don't know why organizations sometimes or people don't take pride and man, my athlete retired and look at the person he became, look at the person she became, look at the positivity that this person is bringing. We often, I hate to say it, but athletes get used a lot. You put on this workhorse schedule and it's like, get better, get better, get better, get better. Okay. You did it for the young age. Now get better, better, better at the pro age. Now I'm going to take that away from you. Retired. You're done. See you later. It's like, but. Oh, I agree with you. And a hundred percent. Like, I mean, I mean, but you know, take it to another level. It's, it's, it's a lot of high end athletes do it. And, and, and one of the best quotes that I've ever heard uh, or a good talk that I had with, was with Jason Spezza Mm -hmm. on the ice. And he said the hardest thing for him when he started off in the NHL is actually forgetting his last shift. Yeah. Like you said, debriefing, just, yep. just forget about it. Whether you scored two goals, whether you scored three goals, whether you are minus one, had a penalty, just forgetting your last shift. Because the more you can adapt and just forget what happened, the better you're going to be later on. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. You know, we put people on, 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 especially kids on a pedestal on a high, oh, you scored six goals, rah, 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 all party time afterwards. No, D- like you said, debrief, talk about it. Okay. You did well, this, you know, you have to ride that wave smoothly. You can't go too high, too low mm-hmm. because the higher you go, you're going to drop really low sooner than later. Right. Yeah. So I think it's very important that we, you know, we as trainers and coaches and, and, and people around and, and even parents, especially that we just, talk about certain things and be like, Oh, great. That was a great game. You know, good job. Let's, let's focus on the next day. Let's forget about it. You know, because you, you, you can't ride the wave wave all the time. Well, you know, and it's funny you say that I was watching an amazing documentary and Antoine Griezmann, great, great soccer player. 
and his national team coach is being interviewed, um, Deschamps, and he was saying, he goes, you know what? It's very interesting. I think a lot of people expect pro athletes to always be in form. And that's one of the most unrealistic expectations if you ever knew what's going on behind the closed doors, because there's travel and there's recovery and there's sleep and there's this and there's that. And you're always being pushed out of whack and you're always being pushed out to train. And then, you know, we often get this false sense of belief, if you want to call it that, then when we start to see these athletes performing at a younger level where we expect them to be on every single game, we expect them to be great. Like, you know, we're, we deal with kids that sometimes have had a, that workhorse upbringing. And now all of a sudden at 18 years old, they're getting into the rough stuff, the drinking and the alcohol or the drinking and the drugs sometimes. And it's normal. Um, is it something we'd love to prevent? Yes. But we weren't there when the kid was eight years old to help them get through that. We're only dealing with Correct. them at 18. Right. So it's like, it's really understanding that perfection is a thing that only exists in the school system. In my personal opinion, um, there's only a way to get one perfect answer, I believe. And even the mathematicians would argue me this, but in math, everything else is left open to subjective to subjective viewing, right? Like what one coach thinks a player does amazing. The other coach might think he, he does terribly. Yeah. Right? Well, even, even further your point, I think, I think in my opinion, perfectionism is, is in your head. What's mm-hmm. perfect. What's perfect yep. for you is not perfect for me. Absolutely. So you can't tell an eight year old or a 10 year old, Hey, you're doing a perfect job when he thinks he's not doing a perfect job yeah. or vice versa. When he thinks he's doing amazing and then you're thinking the other way around and beating him down as a parent, as a coach, you can't do that. Yeah. You have to kind of justify or not justify, but communicate in a way to, Hey, I understand that you feel good about this, but you know, we could do this a little bit better. And that's why I think, I think coaching is such uh, it's a tough job. People don't, again, teaching, coaching, underestimate exactly what it, and that's why high level coaches and teachers, mm-hmm. there's not many of them. Yep. And I can tell you in my profession, there's maybe two handfuls mm-hmm. and that could go over wrong. And a lot of people, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's my opinion. Cause I've seen a lot of it and I, I get to travel. I, I mean, I go all over the world training kids and there's a lot of trainers, but there's not actually teachers. Yeah. And that's the difference. Well, man, what I like about you too, with that, you know, like we've talked about the other skill coaches that we have with respect, right. That we know too, like, sure. For example, our friends, like the Brandon Arados and so on and so forth. Like we've had those conversations before about, yep. you know, I respect the way he does this work. I like what he does there and vice yep. versa, where I think we got to learn to as top level coaches in general. And even this going for myself, like, you can learn from people in your profession. It's not a race to be the absolute nope. best. No, nope. it really isn't. And it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, push anything off and say, Oh, well, don't compete. I, I love competing. But what I'm saying yeah. is, you know, I think people at the top realize that it's a never ending game of growth and development. And Correct. I think that's something we have to really take into consideration because, you know, there's so many different proof models of this out there that if you focus on development versus just, you know, the results and we focus on the input sorry, versus just the output, we can do a lot more. And yeah. it's like, it's just, again, man, it's like the classic Michael Jordan interview. You know, when they asked Michael, they said, Michael, do you believe you're the best in the world? He goes, I don't believe anybody's the best in the world. I think there's quite a few of us who rank as the top athletes in the world, but you trying to compare me to Larry Bird, for example, is like comparing oranges to apples. Yeah. Right. Like, Completely different people, completely different thing. Larry Bird was the best for his generation. 
I'm one of the best from my generation. Do I think I'm one of the best athletes in the world? Absolutely. But does yeah. that mean I can't learn from others? No. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm and, that, and, that, and that's the sticking point too. A lot of people forget, like you, you hit the nail on, on the head right there. It's, you know, I don't compare my clients to anyone because they're no. all different individual human beings. Yeah. So they can't, they can't have the same skill, but they have a totally different buildup of, uh, you know, mindset of, of uh, psychologically, everything. Physiology, social, everything. 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 So they could be, you know, a left winger playing on two different teams, making the same amount of money, but they're so different. So I don't, you know, you, you don't teach them the same way. You, you, you talk to them differently, whatever you're, you're conveying the message, right? So it's very important for us to, you know, learn from one another and help each other mm -hmm. and not be scared that someone tells you, Hey, maybe you should tweak it this way, or maybe you should tweak it that way. Or, or, maybe try this, maybe try that. Like, yeah, have you ever thought of this? Yeah, right. I've, I've done, I've done this over 20 years and I'm just realizing lately, I would say that I'm learning more than ever now to be better. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay that I, Hey, you know what? I had my ways, but now it's maybe I changed this a little bit. It's okay. It works as well. And I'll hear, hear this guy. I'll talk to that guy. I'll try to help someone and have a conversation and, it gets better. You know what I mean? There's you, you, you can't keep yourself isolated and be like, I know the end all because it's not, you just don't know. And every athlete has a different story. Mm -hmm. And as every trainer or coach has a different story himself too. Yeah. So absolutely. And I we think have that's to be where open the skill comes in to really understand how can I better this person based on the story that's already there and, and reform it yep. in a different way. It's a hard For thing sure. to do, man. It's a really yep. hard thing. And you've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. Like it's hard to reframe somebody's story. 21 yep. years of bad habits is hard to break, Yeah, but it can be done if the person's willing to commit to long-term, you know, development of themselves. And that's where 100%. it really is at, but you know what, Marcin? And, and, and that's what, uh, that's the most important, the most important that you, you just said the development of themselves. We're not talking about athletes. Let's, let's no. put everything aside. We're not talking about superstars. Mm -hmm. Human beings have to start understanding that we can develop ourselves to anything we want if we keep our mind open. Yep. If we close our mind, we're going to just be robots. We're going to do the same mm -hmm. thing. If you open your mind to everything, literature, uh, documentaries, uh, understanding your body better, understanding your mind, taking care of it, nurturing the soul and the human body, you can do everything in life. That's yep. the most important. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's this whole idea behind this athletic spectrum that we have, that if you're going to do this whole pro sports thing and you're going to push to be a high achiever in anything that you do can be in business, can be in life, could be whatever as a parent, you need to understand that what goes up must come down. And you must understand that there are proper times to do proper things and, and the right things. It's making sure that you understand you have the right people around you. And you have the right vision for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be somebody who's just training to train or, or talking to the mental coach just to talk to the mental coach or whatever you want to call it. Have a Correct. purpose, right? Yeah. Have a major purpose. But Absolutely. Anyways, Marcin, super, super insightful, super enlightening. Um, you know, if people want to find you to wrap us all up, where can they, where can they find you in, in any way? Plug me in. Uh, easiest, easiest way is uh, just check out my Instagram uh, at Move Hockey. Okay. Um, that's pretty much the easiest way to do it. Uh, I'm also on Facebook move hockey as well. Um, yeah, check me out on Instagram. That's mostly where I spend my time. Uh, yeah. And, uh, 
whenever. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and it's also insightful to hear you talk as well. You have so much, uh, so much insight in, in, in your young age of, of, of talent that you have. So it's awesome to, to speak, and, uh, and I appreciate your time as well. Absolutely, brother. So what we'll do, guys, we'll, we'll kind of have a wrap-up of this episode like we always do. And um, Marcin, we'll be sure to have you on, especially during you know, this NHL season of how weird it will be now that we know that it's coming out. And um, True. Yeah, man. Excited to have you back on soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Marcin. Bye.